This podcast is brought to you by Voice and Vision, bringing help, hope, and healing to individuals, families, and communities affected by mental illness, addictions, and disabilities in southeastern Pennsylvania. Financial support for this podcast is provided by a Veterans Trust Fund grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Welcome to Untold Valor, a podcast with a unique focus on veterans, featuring stories of courage, recovery, perseverance, and strength. Listen to hear veterans share their perspectives on what it's like to battle mental health challenges, combat addictions, and overcome other adversities unique to those who have served. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Untold Valor. I'm Walter Storholt filling in for Mark Killian on today's episode, joined as always by Reverend Ben as well. And we've got a great guest on the show today. We're going to be talking with Chaplain Justin Cohen, who has an amazing personal story, first of all, but then uh, has also dedicated his life to helping others, uh, especially when it comes to the role of spiritual gifts and leading people as a chaplain. And uh, and, and this is, of course, uh, we're also recording today's episode in the month of September, which is the Suicide Prevention and Recovery Month. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Chaplain Cohen's resources when it comes to these matters and the advice that he will have for folks out there as well. So going to be uh, an enlightening and helpful episode for many. Uh, First, just a nice hello to you, Chaplain Cohen. Thanks for joining us this week. Good afternoon, Walter. I appreciate it. And good afternoon to everyone else. Having a great day, even better when we get the chance to speak to somebody like you. And uh, we're going to dive into some of the nuts and bolts of of your message and what you have to share, and, and specifically on a little bit of that suicide prevention and focusing on the recovery aspects in a little bit. But you, you've got an amazing personal story when reading a little bit about you, Chaplain. Uh, you felt the call to ministry at a very young age, but but kind of shied away from it, pushed it to the background a little bit. Can you just tell us a little bit about, bring some color and some life to uh, to your story? Sure. The pushing away from the call to ministry was brought to you courtesy of Budweiser and Marlboro uh, and various other substances. Mm. (laughs) I started drinking and using when I was 11 years old. Uh, Come from a a family uh, with a history of alcoholism and uh, just started drinking and partying at a very young age. I have pictures of myself at the age of 15, 16 years old, tie-dye t-shirts and hair halfway down my back and, you know, played uh, bass in a classic rock cover band, thought I was going to be the next John Entwistle or John Paul Jones. I mean, that's a very young age to get started in those activities. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, you know, the whole dysfunctional family thing, you know, all of that, you know, identity crisis. Uh, I was an only child. A whole lot of whole lot of factors uh, played into that, but fortunately, I got to a crisis point where I said, "You know what, man? This this is just too much." Uh, I was 18 years old. This was 1987, uh, my 18th birthday, and I said, Some, "Something needs to change." And I decided that I was going to join the United States Navy, and that's what I did. And within about 18 months or so understand I quit doing the drugs, but I drank twice as much. And of course, drinking was very much acceptable in the Navy, uh, but I was excessive and it got to the point where I needed to change. And I ran into this Baptist deacon. who was a first class bosun mate on the ship that I was uh, stationed on. And he shared his testimony with me uh, that he came from a, a similar background and it was at that point in time that I came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
and remembered uh, that from a young age that uh, God called me to the ministry. It's amazing to hear that uh, how that transpired. So you had this crisis moment that led you to seek out the Navy. Why the Navy? Why was that the thing that was going to lead you out of that initial crisis buildup? And then can you also speak to the fact that that didn't necessarily solve the problem, right? It, it still exposed additional problems, it sounds like, but still put you in the right position to meet the people you needed to meet. Absolutely. I knew I knew something needed to get done. I just didn't know what. I did come from a military family. The people in, in my family had served, whether they were drafted or uh, whether it was voluntary service. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side of the family, he was in the Navy. Coincidentally, he was a storekeeper, same as, same as I was. And uh, funny story, his division officer at the time during World War II was none other than Lieutenant Richard M. Nixon. Wow who happened to be a logistics officer on Guadalcanal during World War II. So that's why I chose the Navy. Pretty neat. And so I'm imagining that took a, a very positive reception from your family, um, even with its its problems. That was probably something that you were encouraged and applauded for doing. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, they were very, very proud of me and very encouraging. So what about that relationship in the Navy then helped turn things around? Why did that really, was it just the fact that you had that shared background experience or was there something else or an additional uh, story or nugget that helped kind of unlock that change in direction in your life? It was really just getting to a point of being sick and tired of being sick and tired and knowing that I needed to change. And I felt uh, that the Navy was a great opportunity for me. I appreciated what the Navy had done for me. Thus far, at that particular point in time, I considered making it a career, and I knew something needed to change. And fortunately, I was just at the right place at the right time and met the right person uh, who was able to encourage me. And I find that that is the case with many people's stories. I always say that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of relationships, and it's really about that one-on-one mentorship, one-on-one relationship that we have with each other, whether it's in the military context or veterans context. It's that one-on-one personal interaction. Nothing beats a one-on-one interaction, I think, when you have somebody who can help guide you in that personal relationship. Um, from the faith element, that's the one angle. And then I, I don't think it's probably, um, it's there's no mistake by the fact that even in our personal lives, we're often moved the most, driven the most, uh, changed the most when our personal relationships, those closest to us, are helping mold, shape us, and lead us. It's great when we can watch a TV show or listen to a podcast like this and getting inspired to take action, but it's those one-on-one moments that seem to move the needle the most. Absolutely. You know, and all all of the men uh, with whom I served on the ship, I was stationed on the USS Stark, a Perry-class frigate out of Mayport, Florida, small ship, 180 men with a helo detachment, you know, 200 or so. So we all knew each other and uh, many individuals had spoke into my life and mentored me both formally and informally. So take us a little bit down the road of then what happens to you after this change in your life. When, Where do you go from there? This was uh, obviously a long time ago when you uh, began this change. And so what have you been up to since then? Oh, well, do you want that alphabetically, numerically, or in order of importance? I don't, I don't <laughs> it, even know. It was where. a nice hefty bio when I looked <laughs> at it, Chaplin. So <laughs> even know where to start. You picked well, the highlights. You know, I, was, I, was on, I was on track to be a lifer. Uh, in the Navy, they were actually uh, recommending that I go to ROTC 
and uh, they were on track to send me to Navy Supply Corps officer school. And then the Gulf War happened, and we were uh, attached to the Saratoga Battle Group. And I wound up going to Kuwait, uh, was injured during that point in time, and my career came to an end. But as all things, uh, you know, if you're a person of faith and are connected with a spiritual community, we find out in hindsight that, you know, God can uh, overcome and redirect and even unscramble an egg if it's if it needs to be. So I remembered my call to the ministry and then uh, moved on to Bible college, then moved back to Philadelphia in 1995, got involved in some home, what we call home missions ministries uh, with a denomination called the Assemblies of God, started a Bible institute where I trained and taught others uh, for faith-based community service and and ministry, things of that nature. At that point in time, I also became involved in veteran services organizations. And because of my uh, clergy credentials and background, and I was the person who cursed the less, the least <laughs> in the post, I was elected <laughs> as the chaplain. <laughs> uh, you know, that was usually their criteria. Who's the person who curses the least? <laughs> the chaplain. Things you didn't know you'd read in a job description one day, right? <laughs> right. That's amazing. So what what have you discovered? I know that you uh, you you wrote a book, Unwrapped, and it was about uh, spiritual gifts. Tell us a little bit about what made that the focus of your of your thesis and led you to turn it into a full fledged book, and and why the uh, concept and the topic of spiritual gifts really stands out to you, and how does that influence your ministry today? I was always interested in personality and the theory of personalities and personality types, and also enjoyed helping other people discover themselves and understand themselves so that they could choose a particular career path, whether it be in the church or outside of the church, whatever whatever the case may be. So in my in my studies, I took a uh, a hybrid model of psychometrics, which is the study and administration of personality profiles, and then the spiritual gifts, which are listed in the Bible. And I noticed and noted that there was a bit of an overlap, if you will, of personality types that leaned more towards certain spiritual gifts and vice versa. So through that study, I conducted my uh, graduate research, submitted my master's thesis, and then uh, at a later point in time, just redacted some things and edited some things to make it more palatable and easy to read because academic reporting uh, doesn't always make the best uh, reading material. So I put it in a format that was uh, better for consumption, easier consumed, uh, if you will. So my whole, my whole passion really is helping other people discover their purpose. Because here's the thing, the Bible says, without a vision, the people perish. Another translation says, where there is no vi vision, the people cast off all restraint. So having a vision automatically gives you restraint. When I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I know what my gift is, I know what my calling is, I know what my career path is, you will automatically know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And having a vision will also automatically bring discipline. 
Here's an anecdote for you. When I was interning as a youth minister at a large church in Florida, I was tasked by the youth pastor to go speak with this young man who had some obvious hygiene issues and his ability and or inability to care for himself. And I said, gee, thanks. What did I do to deserve this? But anyway, that was that was my task by the uh, by the youth pastor. Uh, the next Wednesday night, when it was time for youth group, I showed up, you know, nervous, irritated, aggravated, whatever the case may be, that I had to handle this situation. Well, this young man showed up that particular Wednesday night, and you know what? He was cleaned up. He had obviously taken a shower, and his clothes were fresh. He obviously, you know, had groomed himself quite well. And it comes to find out that the reason he did that was that there was a young lady in the youth group that he liked. <laughs> Purpose. Right? <laughs> right, exactly. He had a vision. And when you have a vision, it automatically brings discipline. So I saw that in my own life. When, when I did not have a vision, did not have a purpose, I was undisciplined. So to have a vision, to get a vision, to have an understanding of your purpose, you have to understand uh, your personality type, you have to understand yourself, and you have to understand your spiritual gifts. Mm, that's powerful. I think that's really um, a perfect opportunity for us to also bring in that part of the conversation we wanted to focus on today about talking about suicide prevention and recovery uh, for yeah. those who have been the, through those dilemmas. I would imagine there's a lot of crossover between what you just laid out, that lack of vision, lack of purpose for someone, and not not the 100% reason uh, for why this is such a, a problem uh, in our society today, uh, but it's got to be one of the, the biggest reasons and one of the biggest areas where you've probably seen you can help people. Absolutely. When you take a look at some of the reasons and some of the problems that people have that cause them to be suicidal, other than those issues which are uh, medical and or psychological in nature. In other words, they are in fact manic depressive. They do have a legitimate brain chemistry issue, whatever the case may be. A lot of people get depressed and get suicidal because those people, places, and things in their life which contributed to their sense of purpose or sense of mission and vision were violated or taken away. For example, if I uh, am a married man and part of my understanding of myself and the vision and purpose that I have for my life is to be a husband and a father, and I experience a divorce, that means that that particular area of my life has been affected, which may lead to sense of purposelessness, depression, despondency, despair. And uh, if one is not equipped with the tools to handle it, which most people are not, it may lead to suicidal ideation, suicidal desire, sense of depression, despondency, and a desire to just end it all. 
when someone gets to that point, then what kind of work are you able to do? Or where do you end up working with most people in your role as as a chaplain and, and working with individuals week in and week out? Where are you usually kind of picking up, speaking of personal relationships, since that's sort of the another theme of today's show, where are you picking up that counseling and that conversation with folks? Well, uh, at my particular ministry, I'm involved at the chaplaincy level in multiple veteran services organizations. I'm the district chaplain for the VFW, which handles all of Delaware County. I'm the chaplain for the AMVETS post and the DAV post, of which there's only one in the county. So by default, I handle all all of the county. Uh, So I'm in relationship with individuals, and it's in that context of relationships where I usually come across people. A lot of the individuals that I deal with are not necessarily referred to me. I'm in and among these individuals who may be suffering in that in that particular capacity. Uh, And one thing that I lean on very heavily is the Veterans Administration SAVE training. It's a, a SAVE is an acronym and S is for understanding the signs of suicidal thinking that should be recognized. A is for ask, and that's asking important questions. V is for validate, to validate the veteran's experience or the the person's experience. And E is encouragement, encouraging them towards treatment and expedite getting them help. So my context is I'm in and amongst veterans, and I use that save model to reach individuals who may be going down that path. And for me, it's being aware of the signs in and amongst the people that God has placed me amongst. Well, our thanks certainly to Chaplain Justin Cohen for his insight and help on today's show. This only concludes part one of our conversation. On the next episode, we'll have the finishing portion of our discussion. Reverend Ben has a few more questions lined up as well. In part two, we're going to cover things like how churches and faith-based organizations and even people outside the military can help military members in need, especially from a faith perspective. And also, what happens if you're not a person of faith? Uh, How can Chaplain Cohen still assist, help, and point you in the right direction? In the meantime, in the description of today's show, we will link to some resources that can help you if you're in need of some assistance, whether it's something as simple as needing advice on looking for a job or how to find that purpose in your life, or more complex, and if you're struggling with depression or concerns about suicide or suicide ideation, or you're in recovery from that in the past in your life, and you need assistance and you need resources, uh, you can certainly find lots of those opportunities to connect, to talk, and to communicate with people like Chaplain Cohen, uh, with people like Reverend Ben and the great team at Voice and Vision. We're going to link to all of those important resources and ways to get in touch in the show notes or in the description of today's show. So wherever you're listening, just check out that area and you'll find our list of resources available to you. Thanks for joining us on Untold Valor. We'll see you for part two of our conversation next time around. You've been listening to Untold Valor by Voice and Vision. We hope you found the information and resources discussed today helpful. As always, thank you for listening and for your support. 
Remember, to stay connected with us through our various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, don't forget to visit the website, voiceandvisioninc.org. That's voiceandvisioninc.org, where you can sign up for our blog and find free resources and information on upcoming events, webinars, workshops, and get support. You can also access our free help and hope guide for individuals and families struggling with substance use and addiction. If someone you know is struggling, please reach out for help because you and your life matter. Remember, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is available to you at any time by dialing 988. We are all ambassadors of hope and recovery. And if you want to share your story, please contact us. Compure Corps is also looking for veteran mentor volunteers and veteran participants. To find out more information about Compure Corps, please call 610-541-0790. That's 610-541-0790. You can find all the links and contact information for the resources mentioned on today's episode by checking the description in the show notes section of your app. Thank you again for tuning in and for your support. Until next time, this has been Untold Valor.